You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. So in our series on Empowered, this is number two. It's on healing. The Holy Spirit is a healer, and He is moved when we exhibit faith for healing. And we'll see that in the scripture that follows. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There was a centurion servant whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders to the Jews to ask him, to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you come do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I didn't even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning around to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Let's pray. Father, we love your word. We thank you for the gospels. We thank you for the record of what you said and did and how you interacted with people who were hurting and desperate. We thank you for this passage today. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to receive all that your kingdom desires to release to the earth today in us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to take you back a little bit. Do you remember pop quizzes? Anybody here never have a pop quiz? You never experienced a pop quiz? It's like, I always thought that the pop quiz was some diabolical scheme who knew when I had not read the chapter, wasn't prepared, and and come, and, and it's designed to show, gotcha. I had a Greek prof, Dr. William Coker at Asbury College, And I never went to class unprepared. He could pop quiz all he wanted. It was the one class that I always had all my homework done, ready to go every day that I had class. Oh, I wish I could say that about the other classes. (laughs) It's amazing how you'd come and it's like, what is the purpose of pop quizzes? Well, in the academic setting, it's to make sure that you know the material and that you've been reading, especially if, if 
The lecture yesterday was on this, but the pop quiz is on the reading assignment that you didn't do. <sighs> Those would be big zeros. No good. Even if I tried to fluff my way through it. Mm -hmm. But in life, we find that there's pop quizzes all the time. Nobody's always ready for every event, every thing that comes. Uh, we've got people in our church that have historical pop quizzes. The pop quiz of the tornado that went through Fairland. You know, what happens when all of a sudden some kind of disaster, catastrophe, just boom, and it's kind of like, oh, not so much as a, a pop quiz as it is a trial, it's an ordeal, it's something that we're experiencing. But many times as we're going through life, there's just all sorts of things that come at us that we don't have time to prepare for. And so these are the, the pop quizzes of life. <clears throat> the good things about pop quizzes is that they'll always have a multiple choice opportunity to respond. First choice. You can deal with it yourself. And that's the good old American way. We pull, us up, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We try to be self-sufficient. We'll deal with it ourselves. Number two, you can call on family and friends. Who wants to be a millionaire? Had options? Phone a friend. Phone a friend. Yeah. Call on them. Number three, you can ignore it or run from it. Yeah. I kind of like that one. What elephant? I don't see an elephant. Taxes are due. <laughs> we got plenty of time. I remember when taxes had to be in on the 15th. And this year it was the 18th. So you not even got the weekend, but you got the Monday after. So they weren't due till Tuesday. Okay, confession time. How many did them on the 17th? It's like, ah, oh. yeah. Ignore it, run from it, and all of a sudden it's there. Back when we had kids in college, you, you couldn't because you had to have the FAFSA in, so it was done. Like we were one of the first ones in. Mm -hmm. Or the last one, you can give it to God. So which choice do you take? There's only one right answer. Deal with it yourself? Not. Because you'll find that life will bring you issues that are beyond your capacity to deal with. <clears throat> Number two, call a friend, family. Yeah, you might find that you really have some enemies, <laughs> some fake friends. You'll have family members who love you, but they just can't do anything about your situation. They can't always help. Three, you can ignore it or run from it. There's some things that you can run from, but you never can hide from. It'll come up. Four, give it to God. Knowing that God is able and he can be trusted. And that's where we put our faith. So what does faith look like? It's interesting in our passage of scripture here, the centurion soldier 
of Luke 7, we find that centurions in the New Testament seem to always be painted in a fairly positive light. We've got Cornelius, the first Gentile convert. Peter goes to his house. We've got the centurion at the foot of the cross who says, truly this man was the son of God. Hmm. So here we have another centurion. And he goes to the Jews because he doesn't feel like he's worthy to, to come before Jesus. He's a Gentile, he can't come before a Jew. He, he understands, he's been living in Jewish community and he understands the, the difficulty of Gentile contact with a Jew, make them unclean. <clears throat> but he was benevolent, he was a benefactor. He, he was for the, the country of Israel. You know, he, he, he was pro-Jew. And he had built the synagogue. He had invested. And so, look what he's done. So the Jews thought, yeah, we, we've got to go get Jesus. And when they approach Jesus, they, they give him his resume. This guy deserves you to come. Jesus agrees to go. But before he arrives to the house, he gets another message from people from the household. And the centurion sent this message, I am not worthy for you to enter my home. Only say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus responds, I've never seen such great faith in all of Israel. He is totally taken by this man's expression of faith. So what, what is it that makes Jesus marvel about his faith? He's a Gentile. He doesn't have the Torah. He wasn't raised in synagogue. He doesn't know the stories of faith, the parting of the Red Sea, all the miracles. Doesn't have that. He has no history, but he's heard. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And when you hear what Jesus has been doing and you hear the testimonies of others, it's amazing how that is hearing the word of God. You hear what God has done, it starts to build faith in your heart. So how do we know when we have real faith in God? Well, the first thing is we expect a yes, but we are prepared for a no. Hmm. Sometimes we think faith is when we make our petition, we just think we get an automatic yes. Lord, do this. Heal this person, do that. Yes, yes, we, we're looking for the automatic yes. When, when I first, in this series, when I first read through this message and I, and I saw it, it was like, hold on. I don't know if I like this point. Because it looks like I'm, I'm saying, Lord, here's my petition and, I, and I'm anticipating you to affirm and to move. But I'm prepared for a no. What does prepared for a no mean? To me, the first time I, I, I saw that, I may, may be what your experience right now, I said, oh, I'm protecting my heart from disappointment. 
just in case God doesn't answer this prayer. I, I need to protect myself and my heart so I don't get disappointed with God. And so this is the way I make my intercession. I, I have my prayer life, but I want to keep a, a, a way of protecting my heart so that I'm not crushed if my prayer isn't answered. And that's not what, at all what this is. When, when we're praying yes, but we're prepared for a no, it's not that we're prepared to believe that God doesn't care about what we just prayed for, but it's an expression of saying, God may do it a different way. It's, it's an expression that my understanding of this situation and what needs to happen is, I think, pretty godly. But I'm praying it, but I also know that I am so limited and restricted. I don't see the big picture. I'm not the one who's not bound by time and space. Father God can look into the future. We can only look into our past. And so when we look in the past, and the evil one loves to, to get us disappointed with God because we prayed once for this person, it didn't happen. We prayed over here at this time, it didn't happen. We did, and he tries to, to make the heart sick so that we lose hope to intercede for healing. Every evangelical church that I've been a part of, and some non-evangelical, <clears throat> they get cautious about praying for healing because they've been disappointed, they haven't seen it come forth, and, and their heart's just like, I got a, a, a Southern Baptist friend, and he's fine with just about everything but healing. Boy, don't you start talking about healing. Why? Because they got a history of praying for someone and them not getting well. And that's what makes the heart sick, takes your heart out of it, and now you no longer want to pray. You're no longer eager. You're not looking for people to get healed. You're not looking for sick people. Matter of fact, you see a sick person, you put on the blinders and just kind of walk by. It's like, oh. Just have a yes, but prepared for a no means God, I know that you are the healer and that you can heal in this situation. I don't know how you want to do it. I put up this petition and I say, Lord, would you bring healing here? But you know how to do it. It's not, if it be thy will, it's, it's not a, a play off of that where we put that on the end, and therefore, if the person doesn't get healed, we just know that it wasn't the will of God. No, it's a bigger picture than that. It's a, a picture that says, we know that in the heart of our Father is that all his kids are healed. We believe that. We know that in the heart of our Father, he has more wisdom, and he knows how different dynamics affect the next one. He knows how the dominoes fall. And so, Lord, I pray for healing for this person, but I trust into your care, the stewardship of your healing purposes, whether it happens the way I would like to see it happen or a different way. But I trust that you will heal. That's the yes, but we're prepared for a no. 
The second is we confess our unworthiness, but we still boldly ask for our needs. The people that approach Jesus in behalf of the centurion, they're saying, oh, Jesus, you've got to bring healing. This man deserves it. Have you ever done that? We, we have somebody who's sick, and they have loved the Lord. They have served the Lord. They've given to the Lord. Uh, it may be someone who doesn't know the Lord, but they've been very kind, and they were benevolent. You know, if, if, if someone repaved our parking lot, and got sick, we say, oh Lord, would you please heal Fred? Because look, look at how he, he blessed us. He's worthy of being healed. <laughs> have you ever done that? Man, I have. In the, in the early days, I was doing that all the time. Lord, we're praying for sister so-and-so, man. She's a prayer warrior. She loves you. She, she served in the nursery. She teaches the kids. She, she you know, she, blah, 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 and just fill it. And we think, because of their worthiness, that the Lord should bring the healing. And here this man, as the Jew says, he's worthy because he built the synagogue and he loves our people. He says, I'm unworthy to come into the presence of Jesus. He, he, he knew what he had done. And he says, Lord, I'm just unworthy for you to come into my home, but heal my servant. He still has a, a desperate need that needs to be presented to the Lord, but it's not based on merit. It's not based on the merit of his worthiness, but even knowing how unworthy we may be, we have situations that we can bring to the Lord because they're heavy on our heart. There, there's something that we're attached to that's significant. And so we say, Lord, touch, touch. I could illustrate with Chewy. For those that are visiting, Chewy is my puppy. Three-year-old Shih Tzu. Had an event where his left eye got knocked out. And in the process, he's running into things, even with a good right eye. We have the right eye checked out. We find that the right eye, the retina has been detached. For how long, we don't know. But he is completely blind. And it's like, is it okay, Jesus, to pray for healing for my puppy? Lord, this puppy is totally worthy because he licks me. He loves me. He follows me. He's my puppy. He's just so wonderful. He, he's deserving, Lord. Then you got to go theologically well. Do animals deserve to be healed? Yes, they do. It's, it's because of who God is that healing happens. I'm getting ahead of myself. But for the, we've, we've taken, I prayed for Chewy. I've laid hands on Chewy. <clears throat> he's gone to the ophthalmologist. He's gone now to the surgeon. He's had his retina reattached. It's been a, a little over a week and he's starting to, to see a little light. But they're talking that it could take two weeks to a month, to two months, to who knows how long for the healing to take place. But the fun thing is he's starting to act like Chewy again. You know, and so it's like, Lord, any way you want to do it, 
I just present to you Chewy, bring healing. We have human beings, you know, that are more kind of in our, in our perception, they rank higher. We got a human being with a need, let's pray for that human being. God's nature is to heal. There's nothing too small or incidental for him to be involved and to release the authority of wholeness. <clears throat> so be mindful of that. <clears throat> you may not feel worthy, but still ask boldly. <clears throat> Prayer is a privilege, but it's also a right. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 and 16 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Boldly. Come boldly before the Lord. It's not dependent on how worthy you feel. It's not dependent on whether you have had 32,000 consecutive days of devotions and therefore you feel like you're worthy to go ask God to do something. No, it, it's, it's based on boldness. You've got a situation that needs attention. Be bold in bringing it before the Lord. Mm-hmm. Lastly, <clears throat> we trust in the authority of God's word. The centurion said, you don't have to come. You just say the word. All I need is a word. I don't need you to come into my home, take him by the hand, pray, whatever. All I need is you to speak the word. Feeling unworthy to have him come into the, his house and to continue to have Jesus, you know, bothered by coming and dealing with the situation. He just says, Lord, all you have to do is speak the word. This is what he says. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this. And he does this. He understood authority. Hmm. The centurion believes that Jesus has authority over sickness. And so he says, all you have to do is speak the word. We don't have to wonder if God has a word for our sickness, brokenness, or despair. He always has a word. Jesus was so impressed with the faith of the centurion, he healed the sick servant with just a word. And you know what the word was? Oh, it's not recorded. They didn't tell us what the magic word was. If he did, we'd have all sorts of doctrines behind, if you need prayer, say this word. And I think that's intentional. Because every situation, the Lord may have a, a different... But it's really, it, it's the whole Isaiah understanding that the word will not return without accomplishing, accomplishing that which it was sent to the earth to accomplish. So all we need is, Lord, would you, would you send your word and heal our diseases, our sicknesses?
It's not about my merit. It's not about my track record. It's not about my performance. It's the essence of who he is. He is a God who heals. He's a God who sends forth his word and heals their diseases. Like, wow. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.